Hey y'all, this is Charlie, and we are living, loving, laughing in grace. And guess what? Do you know when I say that we, I'm referring to me, you, and Jesus, right? Right now, me, you, and Jesus are gathered together, and we are living, loving, laughing in grace. So I just thought today we should start off by saying that together. Yup, I want you to say it with me. Say, we are living, loving, laughing in grace. Amen. And you know the grace there? That is our Jesus. The Bible says that truth and grace came in Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we know, he said he came to bring us life and life more abundantly. The Bible says that God is love and that in his presence is the fullness of joy. So it is when we are with our Lord, it is because of our Lord, it is because he is with us that we truly get to live, we get to love, and we get to laugh. Amen. What an awesome God we serve. What an incredible father that we have. What a wonderful savior. Amen. Amen. You know, when I think about just how how wonderful our Jesus is and his grace towards us and how his grace knows no bounds. Amen. I mean, here he was on the cross in more pain than any of us could ever possibly imagine. He's been ridiculed and put to shame and and beaten and abandoned by those closest to him, betrayed by one of his own those, those stripes on his back, we all put those there. And yet he looked down on the very face of those who through his entire ministry antagonized him, tried to find ways to stone him and kill him and get rid of him. And here they think they have finally won and they are sneering at him. And he could still look down and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. My friend, that's the same refrain he has for each and every one of us. That is his grace towards us. That is his love towards us, that he went to the cross so that he could pay the price to forgive each and every one of us. Hallelujah. And when I think about that, I can't wait to see him face to face. As I know you can't either. I just long to be in his presence. I long for these these bodies. The Bible says we can't even handle seeing God because our, our bodies are so fallen. Can you imagine the body you're going to have that's going to be able to stand in the presence of God? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, what a day that's gonna be. And you know, Jesus told us that he is coming. And in Revelations 22, verse 7, he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. He said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Now, I want to tell you something. Many people have misinterpreted this idea that he said he's coming quickly as he's coming quickly in time. And, you know, there are even people who make fun of Christians or make fun of those who believe that he's coming, saying it's been thousands of years since he said he was coming and he's still not, he still hasn't come. He's not coming. And Peter even talks about that in his letter, that there will be scoffers in the day that Jesus is going to come saying he's not here yet. 
But he says the reason God has delayed is because of his grace. My friends, imagine that. We think, Lord, why don't you hurry up and come back? And the Bible says he is delaying because of his grace. Why is it gracious for him to delay so that more souls will come to know him? My friends, because once he calls us up, right? Once the Lord returns to this earth, that's it. The final decision's been made. So he is being gracious, giving as many people as will the opportunity to receive him as their savior. But I want to go back to this word quickly because this word quickly doesn't, it doesn't just mean as in, in, in time. It also has another meaning, which is more accurate here, which means suddenly. What Jesus actually was saying is, behold, I'm coming suddenly. As in when he comes, it will be suddenly, so fast, so quickly. Right. And he says it again. And verse 20, he says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming suddenly. When Jesus comes, it will be suddenly. Right. And I say that to share this with you, that Jesus is coming suddenly. And Jesus, we know Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in Hebrews is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the last couple of weeks, we talked about not giving up, right? And we studied on King Asa and how um, even though he was doing good and, and doing right, that he still had enemies that came against him and, and he had to go to battle. And, and uh, we were talking about, you know, no matter how bad it looks, don't give up. Keep trusting in the Lord and your breakthrough is coming, right? But, and, and I think the Lord wants to take that another step further for those of you that say, but I have been waiting such a long time. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And you're like, when is that breakthrough coming, Charlie? When is the day of my victory? When am I going to have that miracle? When am I going to see that change? When am I going to have that healing? When am I going to have the, that, that dream spouse that I've been waiting for, that family? When are my kids going to come back? When am I going to have a job again or that promotion? You say, I've been waiting a long time. And the Lord wants to tell you this, that your suddenly is on its way. Just as Jesus is on his way, Jesus is our suddenly. And when Jesus steps into your situation, it doesn't matter how long you've been waiting. It will be suddenly changed. Amen. You know what's going to happen to this earth when Jesus steps onto it again? It doesn't matter that it's been thousands of years that man's been, been having this way. The devil's been having his way for thousands of years. When Jesus sets his feet on this earth again, it will suddenly change. And we see that again and again in the Gospels. When Jesus shows up on the scene, things suddenly change. And what we might not see sometimes is that the waiting, we, we, we don't see that he is already working in the waiting. Many times, in fact, I wonder if most of the time, the waiting is actually for us to prepare our hearts, to get us ready for that miracle that he has for us. Hallelujah. 
you know, when the children of Israel left Egypt, God guided them around in the wilderness for two years on purpose. That was not because of their rebellion. The first two years was on purpose because the Bible says that God knew if they went straight to the promised land and saw the enemies that dwelt in it, that they would return to Egypt and make themselves slaves again. So for two years, he kept them in the wilderness, showing them who he was, being gracious to them, providing for them, protecting them, defending them, being faithful again and again and again to them, no matter how much they complained about him, no matter how much they distrusted him, no matter how much they, they murmured against Moses and Aaron, he continued to be faithful to them in the midst of their faithlessness because he knew they needed that time to be strengthened, to grow, to be settled, to learn who he is before they could go into the promised land. Because here's the thing, in the promised land, there were still enemies, right? Sometimes when we receive our promises that God has for us, our breakthroughs, are miracles, that doesn't mean there won't still come trials and persecutions. And actually, I can tell you a lot of times it means persecution is going to be on the hills, right? Because the devil, he can't stop what God gives to you, but he'll try to get you to give it away. And in fact, that's what he does. He tries to get us to give up right before we're going to receive that breakthrough. See, he has no power. He can't take anything from you. So he tries to convince us to get up and walk away right before we're about to receive what God has been working behind the scenes to give to us. You know, that's what the Israelites did. They got to the promised land. They were right there. And they saw that the land was just as good and just as beautiful and just as fruitful as God has said it was. And then they saw the enemies, the same enemies God had already told them about when they were still in Egypt. He didn't hide anything from them. He told them that they would be there. And he also told them that through him, they would overcome, that he had given them the land. Their enemies had no more protection. It was removed from them, but they didn't believe. In essence, they didn't believe in the goodness of their God. They believed me more. They put more into the fear of what their enemies could do against them than to what God would do for them. My friend, that's not going to be me and you. We're going to believe in what our God does for us. We're going to believe that what he does for us is greater than anything the enemy could bring against us. Amen. 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 Woo. And I want to tell you something, you know, I can, I can share very uh, personal account about this because when, uh, when, uh, the Lord first began healing me, you know, he had to save me immediately. I needed an immediate, a right now miracle to save my life. But then the healing in my body has taken another 12 years and I'm still not quite there yet. So believe me, this is a message that I'm preaching to myself as much as, as much as you, I get it. It can be so hard to keep hoping 
when you've been hoping for so long or the symptoms are screaming so loud or you just don't see how things can change. And one time somewhere along this journey of mine, when I was starting to get frustrated that the Lord hadn't healed me as fast as I thought he should, right? He wasn't on my timetable. Okay. We all do that sometimes, right? I know it's not just me, but he wasn't on my timetable. And so I asked him, I said, Lord, you know, you told me you were going to heal me, but why is it taking so long? And then he revealed to me, he took me to a passage where he told the Israelites, even when they, when they came back to the promised land 38 years later, so they, they did two years that were ordained by God that he was working in them. And 38 years they wandered because they rebelled by God. And they said out of their own mouths, we'll never enter this promised land, we'll die here in the desert. And God said, as you have spoken, so it shall be. My friend, our words, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So let's speak life. Let's speak life over ourselves and over each other. I've gotten way off again. Okay, so I will share with you. He took me another package, passage where once the Israelites did get to enter the land, God told them that he wasn't going to give them the whole land all at once. And it says, because the wild beast would be too much for you. The wild beast would be too much for you. So here's this incredible, wonderful land. But the thing about this land is so big that it's too big for the amount of people that have come to it. And he's saying, if I let you take the whole land all at once, the wild beast will end up overtaking you. So he's going to give it to you bit by bit. He's going to give it to them bit by bit as it's good for them. And then like that, he opened my eyes to see that at that point, my healing was taking as long as it was because I still needed to get to know him. And he was still working healing in my heart. And he showed me that had he simply healed my body all at once, my heart would not have been healed. I would have ran right back into the same kind of lifestyle that I had before. I would have quickly forgotten that this, this beautiful Savior and his love and his grace towards me because he wasn't done working all the bitterness and pain out of my heart. And so my friend, you know, sometimes we, we, we think we need to keep perspective and know that God causes all things to work together for our good, even when we can't see it. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean he's not working. In fact, he's always at work on our behalf. He's been at work on our behalf before we were born. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So my friend, hang in there. Your suddenly moment is on its way. And you could say that also by saying it this way. Jesus is on his way. Jesus is on his way because he's our suddenly moment. He's about to step into that situation and where he steps in, things can't stay the same. Amen. We're going to look at this, uh, in a story in the gospels in John chapter nine that brings this to life for us. And as I said, you know, and we'll see this here in John chapter nine, that the devil will try to get you to give up on your breakthrough before it happens because he has no power to stop it. So we're not going to, amen. We're not going to. So we're going to John 
chapter 9. And right before this, you need to know that Jesus was teaching in the temple. And um, once again, he made the Jews very angry at him because he declared that he's God. You know, and they just, they never could get with that. So he declared that he is God and they took up stones to throw at him. They wanted to try and stone him to death. But remember, Jesus laid down his life. He chose when to give up his life. No one could take it from him. He made the choice. So he's walking out of the temple. And as he's walking out of the temple, that's where we're picking up. It says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. You know, just think about this. Jesus is going to stop and interact with this man. Right after he's, he's leaving the temple because the Jews picked up stones to kill him. This is their capital form of, of punishment, right? This is how they, they, they would put people to death legally was by stoning them. I want to ask you something. I don't know. Just trying to picture that your life is in that kind of jeopardy. Do you stop and talk to a beggar? Or do you run, right? Run till you know that you're safe. Find somewhere to, to hide and calm down. But our, our Jesus, mm, first and foremost, we are always on his heart. Not himself. Us. And so he passes by this blind man. This, it says, a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, it sounds like a silly question to me, right? The man was born blind. What do they mean? Did his parents sin or did he sin? But actually, in the Old Testament, they had precedence for this. Because under the Old Testament, under the law, for those... For those who are so gung-ho about keeping the law of God, if you sin, that judgment falls to your children, your children's children, and your children's children's children. So don't know about y'all. I don't want to be under that law, right? So there was precedence for them to say this. And I, I want to tell you something else. Sometimes uh, it's hard for us to get it because right, this, this um, seems so out of place. But we do unfortunately, have this same tendency to do this to each other. You know, have someone ever shared something with you, some bad news or that was tragic, and, and you go right into asking them, well, what did they do? Like, you don't say it, but it's like you're looking for a reason to blame them for it, as if it was their fault for some reason. And, you know, unfortunately, one time a woman was sharing with me how a relative of hers, her daughter is paralyzed from the neck down because she was in a, in a car with a bunch of friends and they got hit and it was a, a terrible accident. And she said, but she didn't have her seatbelt on. So it's like, because she didn't have her seatbelt on, she deserves to be paralyzed from the neck down. I've heard people make comments to, to mothers, grieving mothers who had stillborn babies, terrible comments about, you know, and maybe not directly to them sometimes, directly, sometimes indirectly, about, you know, they probably weren't eating right or drinking right or doing. My friends, wow, you know what Jesus says? I want to show you what Jesus says. That's all kind of the same spirit as what these disciples said. So let's not jump on them, right? And I'm sure you heard all those things and thought, wow, those, those sound so, so terrible. But um, unfortunately, in our human nature, that is our nature, right? But we're not living by that anymore. We're living by the spirit. 
Amen. So we're going to respond like Jesus responds. This is how Jesus responds. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. He's saying, hey guys, we're not going to play the blame game. We're not going to worry about who sinned. He didn't say none of them. He's not saying that these people are perfect, that they're not sinners. He's saying that's not what we're dealing with anymore. Why? Because he's on the scene. My friends, Jesus came to bring us the new covenant. And under the new covenant, everything that we get is based on who he is, not based on who we are. So he's saying, hey, we're not going to look at him or his father or his father's fathers. We're talking about me now. We're talking about me. We're talking about my father, God. We're talking about his grace. Amen. And it is because of his grace. He said, it's not that they sin. It's that the works of God say with me, the works of God, not the works of man. Salvation has nothing to do with the works of man. My friends, hallelujah. It is all about the works of God. The works of God. Jesus came to bring the works of God that they would be revealed in him. And Jesus goes on to say, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. You know what I love about this too? Jesus said works, plural. He came to do the works of God in this man, which means he's got more than one miracle waiting for this guy. Amen. Amen. Right? We always talk about it. Our God is such a generous God. He doesn't know how to hold back. If he did, he wouldn't have sent us his one and only beloved son. His generosity has no bounds. And when he had said these things, we're going on. And, and it says, when he had said these things, Jesus spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. He went and washed and came back seeing. Now, I took a little bit of time to expound on this, but let's see how long this actually took. So Jesus shows up. His disciples say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answers, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And after he said those things, he made the clay, put it on the man's eyes. He goes to the pool. Jesus sent him to wash and came back seeing. So I just read through all that again in less than two minutes. I know he had to make the clay. And the man had to go and wash it off. But here's my point. This whole thing, let's say, I don't know. He probably had to grope along his way to get to the pool. And that's hopefully one of the disciples led him, right? Somebody helped him get to the pool. And then he came back. I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. Let's say 30 minutes. Would you say this man suddenly, he suddenly received his sight? He had been born blind. Born blind. He is a grown man now at this time. And he suddenly receives his sight. And a suddenly moment. Amen. Suddenly Jesus is there. 
suddenly this man's life is completely changed. His world is full of light and color. He can suddenly go and, 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 and have a job. He can suddenly start helping his family instead of relying on them. He suddenly can be a part of the community instead of being a beggar. He can have a wife. He can have children. He has a life. All those dreams from, from that he probably never even, even dreamed, right? Or that he's given up on. Suddenly, it's all a reality. After years and years and years of waiting, suddenly... He's received his miracle. But you know what? This is only one work. And Jesus said he has the works of God he wants to reveal in him. Right? So we've got something even better coming. Amen? But we're going to have to wait to talk about it until our next podcast. Oh, I'm sure y'all saw that coming. (laughs) Oh, amen. I sure do enjoy our time together. And you know what? Right now, I just, uh, I believe and I am prophesying over your life that you are suddenly are on the way. My friend, my brother, my sister, just put your eyes on your Savior. See that it, you might feel like that, that blind man, that you're in darkness or you can't see the promise. You can't see what the Lord has for you. And you've been sitting there and you feel like you've been begging. And he's saying, no, all this while I have been making my way to you, right? The blind man didn't even call out to Jesus. Jesus came to the blind man, right? Sometimes we've got so blind, we can't even see to call out for help. And Jesus still comes by and finds us right where we are. Oh, because his name is Savior. It's who he is. He saves us. And so right now we are declaring that you have suddenly moments, suddenly breakthroughs, suddenly promises, suddenly miracles that are coming your way. And if you will receive that, just say amen, amen in the name of Jesus Christ. Those are coming your way, my friend. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. My friend, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for Jesus popping up in your life in places and ways that you can't expect, that you can't imagine. Amen. Let go. Let go. Recognize that in those areas you can't, but he can. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to have to let you go and we'll pick this back up the next time. Until then, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.